At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey, it's Holden with Beeson. It is the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Front Range 4 is going to have a recap of the Broncos' blowout loss to the Bills. We'll have a bet recap as well. Uh, the Week 3 odds are not out yet, uh, but some things that we're going to have to look forward to in Week 3, plus some thoughts on the game. And there's some news here. Uh, Kevin Durant to the Nuggets, not going to happen. But I did want to catch up with Joel Rush from Forbes to talk about that rumor uh, or actually some fact that's going on with that. And then the schedule. Uh, Joel is saying it's a pretty darn good schedule here for the Nuggets. But let's get into it. Front range four. Four biggest sports stories in the front range. You get a chance. Uh, number one would be leave me a five-star rating and review. Uh, number one A would be the Broncos got trounced. 42-15 loss to the Bills. So I take my first loss here the preseason. Two and one on Bronco bets. Now, I had the under 42 and a half, and uh, the Broncos basically allowed the Bills to almost cover that alone. Uh, you know, you go back, you look at some of the things. Hey, why was I wrong? Why was I wrong? Well, defensively, the Broncos did not play as well as they did in week one. Uh, they looked awful, top to bottom, just horrendous. Uh, the Bills obviously covering the money line and the spread. I had the under here that lost, but I did back the Bills on the money line. So if you listen to Friday's show, you know I parlayed the Bills and the Ravens, and you know that I parlayed the Bills, Ravens, and Chiefs, and both of those parlays hit. So it was still a profitable weekend, despite dropping that total 
which was my favorite bet. But again, taking the Bills in the money line, not a big surprise there with Josh Allen taking care of business. So that's number one on the front range for a profitable weekend. But again, did not hit the bet that I gave out for the Broncos, which was the best bet of the total. Again, waiting for lines to drop here with the Broncos in week number three. Those lines have not dropped yet. Uh, we do, though, still have week one odds. And I want to go back over those as the Seahawks and the Broncos will face off in Seattle. And this is number two on the front range four. So the Seahawks, as big a five and a half point dogs. Now this thing's sitting at the five range. Broncos minus five, minus 110. Seahawks plus five, minus 110. Broncos minus 220 on the money line. And 41 and a half is the total. Again, uh, if I see this thing drop down, I, I don't think I'm going to. I, I don't think we're going to see this thing drop down to three unless there's a major injury for the Broncos. And I hope that doesn't happen. We shall hope that doesn't happen. But on the road, again, I backed the decision by Hackett to not play the starters. But let's face it. You throw these guys out in a game situation, I don't know how quickly the Broncos' offense is really going to click. The defense, I don't have too much worry about. Again, yesterday was a debacle. I'll get into that. But the Seahawks... Five points at home you're getting, plus you're getting their home crowd, plus you're getting the Broncos here um, with a new offense and a new defense. But again, a new offense. Hackett is going to finally call some plays in regular season games. So again, right now, no official bet, but there is a lean toward the Seahawks. Don't get upset if you are a Broncos fan. I'm just trying to make money here, okay? Uh, I'll be rooting for the Broncos when I back them. And I won't ever root against him unless I have a ton of money against him. But I'm telling you right now, uh, this is something that does not look... I mean, it doesn't look great. I can still get that five and a half for the Seahawks. I'm getting five and a half at home against the Broncos in week one? I know there's some out there that say the Broncos are just going to walk in there and stomp them. I'm not so sure about that. Now, Geno Smith... Geno Smith doesn't scare me. I think he is going to be the starting quarterback. You're also going to look at a run game, which is depleted. Like Rashad Penny can't stay healthy. Kenneth Walker, uh, their big running back draft pick. He is now injured. He's not going to be available for week one in all likelihood. Defensively, not a really good team uh, last year, but you know they were tied for 11th in points allowed. The problem was they allowed the most passing yards in the NFL or the second most passing yards. They were average against the run. They were better in the, in the red zone though. Uh, special teams wise, I think that'll be something else that we have to look at here. And um, you had, I, I would say, as far as the kick returns, it was terrific for the uh, Seahawks last year. And obviously, kick return yards for the Broncos last year was the last in the NFL. Montreal Washington is going to change that. Uh, this special teams is just flat out going to be better than it was last year, if not for any other reason, but they'll have a new coordinator. Okay, but I think there's a lot of them. Um, five of the six Seahawks games to finish the year last year went 41 and a half. It went over 41 and a half. Uh, and then the other interesting thing, the Broncos have lost each of their last five Monday night games. Ooh, really? The Broncos have lost each of their five Monday night games. So again, new team, don't have Fangio anymore. Don't have Bridgewater running it. A lot has changed. But again, 
right now, as I sit here, if I had to place a bet, I would take the minus 114 instead of the minus 10, 110, and I'd take the Seahawks plus five and a half. But again, we'll see what happens in week three, and I don't want to place a bet until we see the injury situation, really on both teams, on both sides. So that was number two on the front range four. Four biggest sports stories on the front range. Oh, now what do we got? How about my thoughts from this preseason game? It was a debacle, okay? But I need to say this. I started covering my first team. was the Seattle Seahawks back in 1999. So I've been around NFL teams on and off for a long, long time. And I've seen a lot of preseason losses. And I have seen a lot of fans and media members freak out about preseason losses. And the ones that freak out and the ones that are worried about things are the ones that are too worried. There's no reason to freak out unless your top players, one of your top players are injured. Relax, relax. You're seeing second and third teamers. Stop freaking out about the preseason. You had Super Bowl champion not win a game in a preseason last year. Yes, I get the arguments. You want to see Russell Wilson. You want to see this first team offense. You want to see the defense being able to stop the run. But you know what? It's the freaking preseason. And if it doesn't matter to the head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, it don't matter to me. So that's the first thing. What's the second thing? This absolutely reaffirmed that the Broncos are thin at corner inside linebacker and the O-line is still adapting to a new system. So if we want to be critical but fair, let's be critical but fair. And I'll get into the things that I didn't like. But the good, we're going to start with the good first because I'm a positive guy, right? Montreal, Washington, my boy, continues to do what I thought he'd do. Two returns for 55 yards, had one of 35 yards. This return game has been a debacle. I mean, what, three of the last four years at least? They got a guy now. And I don't care if it's against backups or starters. They got a guy. This guy's electric. Will he be used in a passing game? Probably. I'm just not so sure how much he can be utilized. Like, you'll have Sutton. You'll have Judy. You'll have Hamler. Albert O is an interesting conversation I'll talk about in a moment. But what are we doing here? Screens to Washington? It's not like Wilson is great over the middle. Slants to Washington. Deep routes to Washington. Fascinated to see how this kid performs. Uh, the next thing, punter. I mean, I liked it. Now, I didn't like Sam Martin getting injured, banging up his ankle, and he couldn't punt. But Corliss Waitman went out there, had a hang time of 5.2 seconds on a 63-yard punt, which should have been down. It wasn't down, though. Uh, the defender, he got caught a little bit. And a 63-yard punt turned into 43 yards net. But I'll say this too. You know, Sam Martin, he's had his shots. Uh, he's been frustrating from time to time. And if they end up jettisoning, jettisoning, right? Jettisoning? Yeah, Sam Martin, uh, they get $2.25 million in cap space freed up. Okay? So they could cut him. They could trade him. I'd like to see Waitman a little bit more in game number three. But the punter situation, oh, it's just punters. You know what? Special teams, very important. I think every Broncos fan knows that at this point. Uh, another guy I like, Brett Rippon. So 22 of 26, 191 yards, a touchdown and no picks. He and Josh Johnson are battling for the backup spot. Okay, 
So here's Rippon on the preseason. 30 of 44, 302, a touchdown, no picks, 95.3 rating. Josh Johnson, 24 of 39, 242, two touchdown passes, no picks, 96.3 rating. Rippon's run a little bit more. I think he's run three times for nine yards, but here's my deal. I, I don't think there's anything that Ripken could do at this point to be the backup. You have Josh Johnson, who's been around. He's been a backup for a long time. He's capable. Um, he's not turning the ball over. Do they move the ball as much as you'd like to see? No. Do they move the ball to field goals? Yes. Is this team screwed without Russell Wilson? Yes. But the guy that at least would give the defense in a running game the best chance of winning, I think, would be Johnson. But I do like what Ripken's done, and I hope that he's on the practice squad. So, yes, there were some good things to come out of this game. There were a lot more bad things to come out of the game. And again, I'm not freaking out. Broncos tackling. Ugh. They can't stop the run with their backups. They can't run with their backups. And Mike Boone did a nice job with yards after contact this week. Last week, he was awful. But Broncos tackling, run defense, awful with the backups. Buffalo, 208 yards on 27 rushing attempts. They averaged 7.7 .7 yards per carry. Oh, but these are the backups, man. They're going to get playing time this year. Again, uh, they went up against the first team. There's a reason why this was a mismatch. Not only did they go up against the first team of the Bills, they went up against the first team of the Super Bowl favorites. Okay? Again, deep press. Namaste, bro. Um, let's see what else we got. Deshaun Williams, not great on the end. Alex Singleton, Joe Schobert. I mean, they could start, and they really didn't look good, any of them, to be honest with you. Uh, we do have a little thinness at the cornerback situation, and Michael Ojemudia, elbow injury. Let's hope Sertan doesesn't miss a snap, though, because Ojemudia has really struggled in these two games. He's the backup to Sertan. He will see the field some, but, boy, you don't want to see him on Stefan Diggs anymore. You saw Diggs just cook him. He ran right past Ojemudia. Extremely tough matchup, but mm -mm. you don't want to see too much of that. Um, let's see here. Andrew Mason, big fan of Mace. Uh, he thinks the Broncos are carrying six corners, and he says Sertan, Darby, Quan Williams, and Damari Mathis are there. I'm with him. So what do they do? Ojemudia is hurt now. Dislocated elbow. Bassey and Hicks are back there. Um, it's thin. It, it is. How, how many teams have four quality corners though? And I think that's what they have. We'll find out more about Damari Mathis too. Like if Damari Mathis is disappointing and doesn't perform like he has in camp, then I think, you know, that, that corner position is really concerning. I'm not that concerned right now. Okay. Um, oh, oh, let me bring up the offensive line here and, and then I'll get into Alberto because everybody wants to talk about, um, about that tight end, huh? Uh, Luke Wattenberg, I liked him. Three interior positions. He was good. He was better than just about everybody else on the line. Interesting that we had Quinn Miners playing 13 snaps. Okay, could be a starter. Calvin Anderson had 27. Cam Fleming had 22 at the right tackle position. They really need Billy Turner to get that starting job at right tackle. Anderson and Fleming, I don't want to see that. And uh, Hackett actually said he's aiming for week one for Turner. He's a guy very familiar with the system. He's very familiar, very familiar with everything that's going on right now. I like it. Let's get him going. 
Um, you had Deshaun Williams starter again, didn't play well, 10 snaps. And then you had Alberto. I was concerned about Alberto blocking. I think he's a terrific vertical threat. I think he can be a great red zone threat. I don't think we're going to see him on the field as much as maybe you thought you would. Okay. Um, and why did he play? Well, Hackett came out and said, Albert's a guy who needs some reps. You know, it was great to see him miss that first one and then come back and catch the next one because that's what he does. He vertically stretches down the field. So Hackett was saying that too. Uh, but he needs work, man. As a blocker, he should be the tight end one for Denver. Dolchich is, again, I've said this since they drafted him. You're not getting a rookie tight end to be productive. Even Kyle Pitts, it took him a long time last year. And Kyle Pitts is a generational tight end talent. Dolchich, he's not going to be a contributor in the passing game this year, and I guarantee it. And can he get ready to block, too? Here's somebody else. It's kind of a project there. I think we're going to see some Eric Salbert because he can block and catch a little bit. I think we're going to see more Salbert than you think. But they still don't have a complete tight end. That's the one thing that, again, you don't think tight end's a problem. I do. Noah Fant never learned how to block. The tight ends just haven't been developed properly here recently. You know, under Shermer and Fangio, I mean, Fant just, the same problems. Could catch the ball most of the time, couldn't block. You know, now Albert O has to learn how to block if he's going to be on the field. That is a bit concerning, okay? Uh, one last thing from the game. Nick Benito loved what he did showing out as a situational pass rusher in week one. He didn't even get a tackle. Um, he had an offsides. Nick Benito, rookie. I think we'll see a lot of that. All right, that's my thoughts on preseason game number two. No freakouts whatsoever. All right, let's get into number four. On the front range for four biggest sports stories on the front range. Now, I'm going to get deeper into the Nuggets and Kevin Durant and the schedule with Joel Rush in just a minute. But I do want to bring up uh, Sham Sharanya. The Nuggets inquired with the Nets in late June and early July to gauge the interest in Kevin Durant's price tag, according to sources. And listen, I love Calvin Booth's aggressiveness. I do. I, I like what he's done this offseason. I think he's done a better job than Connolly has done with the Timberwolves, to be honest with you. But, I mean, the Nuggets can't offer anything. They can't make a trade of a first-round pick for seven years. We'll get into Joel with that in a minute. Um, what are they going to offer? Murray coming off an ACL, Porter Jr.'s bad contract, Bones Highland? They can't. Second-round picks? They just don't have the resources to land KD. Uh, also, shout-out to my guys at uh, DNVR including Adam Mares. They're over in Sombor right now. Uh, they're going to check out some FIBA action. You'll have Jokic. You'll have Giannis. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff that's going down there in Serbia right now. And yeah, I I'm mildly envious of those gentlemen. That is pretty cool stuff that they got going on there. All right, Joel Rush. Yes, Forbes, Nuggets, the guest on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Kick off football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook all season long. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. 
cheer on your favorite teams, and back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. You must be 21. Got to be located in Colorado. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. Joel Rush, Forbes. We love talking with Joel. He's a wealth of knowledge and opinions on the Nuggets. And he lives in Japan. So we're taping this right before his bedtime. Thank you very much. And uh, I will not be reading you bedtime stories, but (laughs) I was reading your story on the strength of schedule for the Nuggets. So we'll get into that for a second uh, in a minute. Hello, Joel Rush. You said it's a little slow here with the Nuggets, but it seems like there's a lot of news coming out here. Well, bits and pieces, but it is the offseason for sure. Um, and I think, you know, unlike maybe some other teams, I think the Nuggets are pretty much done completing their roster unless they pull some big surprise. So I don't expect too much news until – you know, well, Jokic in the FIBA tournament here, and then training camp is not too far off. So, yeah, that should be like fun. Two months till the grind starts again. That's really not that long of <laughs> a time. Man. Yeah. And I think players should already be reporting to camp pretty soon here. I mean, to, you know, not reporting to camp, but uh, returning to the, yeah, I was going to say the Pepsi Center to Ball Arena yeah. um, and starting to get the crew together again. All right, so the Durant thing, I mean, Calvin Booth had to at least check in on this. This will be a big story because it's the NBA offseason and they don't have too much to talk about, right? But let's face it, what are you going to give up? Jamal Murray coming off an ACL, Porter Jr. on a horrible contract, and Bones Highland? Just doesn't make sense here. Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, and specifically from Sam Amick, um, it seems like the Nets are basically consistently asking for the team's second best players. So Jalen Brown in the case of the Celtics and so on. So one would assume, especially since the nut, the Nuggets don't have many draft picks to give up only their 2029 at this point can be traded because of the Stepien rule, um, which is complicated, but basically you can only trade future first rounders once every other year. And the Nuggets have traded too many of theirs to be able to do so. So uh you would think that the Nets would be asking for Jamal Murray at a minimum, along with, you know, probably Bones Highland and who knows what else. But I, I would think that's basically probably just a non-starter for the Nuggets. Yeah, they can't get it. I, I mean, honestly, if you say you want Jamal Murray and Bones Highland, I mean, that's forget about it. I don't even think you think twice about that. No, and, you know, it's probably very unrealistic that the nuggets could make a package that's competitive with some of the other teams. Like, I mean, for, for one thing, who knows, even if Kevin Durant would be content going to the nuggets and that's something that teams have to worry about because he's basically ended up unhappy everywhere he's gone that he chose to go. So if he were traded to a place where he didn't really want to go, then would he be pouting and, you know, uncooperative? That's something that teams would have to worry about. Like the Pelicans, might have you know one of the better packages to be able to put together if they made uh, Brandon Ingram available but you know if Durant doesn't really want to go there then what are they going to do I mean they I've already said you know they won't trade Ingram but you know compared to a team like that that has like a whole arsenal of draft picks and you know young players and stuff like that the Nuggets just wouldn't even be able to compete if they wanted to but I I honestly would pretty much doubt you know, you got to make the phone call. It's Kevin Durant. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think the Nuggets probably just want to keep their team together and see how far they can go with the crew they've already built. 
Well, it gives us something to talk about too. What'd you say? They can't, <laughs> they can't trade a first rounder until 2029. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, that, that was 2027 until they uh, packaged that first, um, I believe with Jamichael Green. And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's going to somewhat, pinch their style in terms of you know the flexibility that they'll have going forward and you know they've depleted many of the assets in their war chest but but you know they've already done the hard part they've assembled <laughs> they've got their three max players and mm -hmm. Jokic, murray and porter and aaron gordon alongside them and bones coming up and you know they've done good moves in getting contavious caldwell pope and bruce brown to kind of round out defensively and be kind of tied together pieces so i think they're probably pretty content with you know where they're at right now and you know it doesn't rule out making moves by the deadline or anything but i don't think anything more is going to happen this offseason yeah this team's set this team's set right so the schedule set too and this is the first thing you what you wrote for forbes here we've got uh an easy schedule on paper like the only schedule i really look at um and say boy you know that we can kind of glean something out of this is the national football league schedule because there's 17 games like how do you do this talk about the process 82 games how do you figure out this team as a, a good schedule well i would first have to shout out the site positive residual who they do a really great app there that kind of analyzes every team's schedule. And that's according to their strength of schedule metric that the Nuggets have the easiest schedule. Um, but that also does factor in the altitude advantage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a pretty meaningful asterisk there perhaps. And also the Nuggets are traveling the most miles of all teams in the league. So there are some counterbalances there as well. No, I love that they include just about everything in there. Um, but ultimately that that's really not going to matter that much. And they got to travel and, and, and we can't really predict who the great teams are going to be and the bad teams are going to be, but I would say this, the national basketball association is probably the most predictable league to see who's going to be good from year to year basis. Right. Cause basically you take the superstars on their teams and you say, all right, this team's in the mix. And then you take the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year and you figure out if they improved and if they didn't, you just kind of throw it in the trash. Again, the NBA, to me, the schedule is the most predictable in the preseason. And also, even early on in the season, there's some pretty solid research that shows that once a team has played about 15 games, I believe, or maybe 20, something along those lines, that's pretty much the team they're going to be for the rest of the season. And it makes, you know, the degree of predictability that much stronger. Um you know, there are exceptions, of course, like Boston last year. They had a weak start, but, you know, really came out blazing out of the gates uh, from January onward. So, uh, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule, but for the most part, you know, teams pretty much establish themselves in that first run of games and uh, kind of settle into who they're going to be for the long haul for the most part. Hey, so make sure, by the way, you follow Joel um, on Twitter. He's just been doing a great job at uh, Joel Rush MBA, you're going to be writing a piece on strength of schedule here. Uh, as a matter of fact, you might be staying up late tonight to do a little strength of schedule. It might be the reason why you actually had time to hop on. Uh, uh -huh. You're going to circle some games that you're excited about. Talk to me here. Is there a game or two that really stands out on the schedule 
as we sit here again, a couple of months away from the season tipping off. Well, um, I'm just looking at my list here right now. Uh, I would say one of the most important ones or one of the most exciting ones is going to be their third game of the season, which is their home opener against Oklahoma city. And that of course means the return of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. To they, they will be playing in the season reportedly, but in the preseason, excuse me, but um, for their first real game back in Denver after such a long time. So that's going to be exciting just to see them back in action. Um, and one I have circled in November is their first game against the Clippers because both Denver and the Clippers are kind of, you know, these teams that disappeared last year because of injuries and the Clippers are getting Kawhi back and Paul George is going to be there. So, you know, these two reconstituted teams that should be among the top four in the West getting their first chance to kind of, and there's, you know, a little history there with the, uh, Denver coming back three to one on them in the bubble and everything. So uh, that should be a fun one, I believe. And of course, you know, the most obvious one is the Christmas game, which, you know, finally Jokic gets his Christmas game and it's going to be against the Phoenix Suns, which, you know, I think it's fair to say is kind of a blossoming rivalry between those teams Mm -hmm. kind of, um, there's not the same kind of history there as there is with, you know, some other Nuggets rivals, but uh, definitely, you know, there's some uh, back and forth there. So that okay. should be a good one too. Last thing for you. I'm looking at the odds on Bet Rivers for MVP. So you've got Jokic at 10 to one tied with Durant and Tatum. You've got Giannis at six to one and beat at five and a half to one. Luca's the favorite at plus 450. I am under the impression that there is no way in hell no matter how most valuable he is, they're not going to give it to Jokic for a third straight year, are they? Because I feel like we ran into the same thing with Giannis. And while Jokic was better, they just were never going to give the guy the MVP. I would be shocked if Jokic won three in a row. Um, I think we we saw the tension stretching the boundaries of the narrative pressure to not give Jokic his second one as the debate raged on last yeah. season. And I think the odds makers have jobs for a reason. And I, I think they're probably right. I, I might put even Embiid above Luca, but I, I would consider those two guys the favorites to win it next season just because it's kind of their turn, you know, and especially that's true for yeah. Embiid. Like he deserves it is going to be the strong narrative out there. I think that, you know, not only Philly fans will be pushing, but, you know, all of those who push back against everything that Jokic represents in their minds, which is, you know, kind of a stats darling and stuff like that. But whether or not, you know, that's accurate. Um, You know, his MVPs were both clearly well-deserved and there's, you know, no good case to be made against that. Um, I, I think you could make positive cases for other, you know, Giannis, if Giannis had won this year, that, would not have been a huge shock and it would have been hard to say he didn't deserve it too. Um, but you know, the vitriol against Jokic yes. is still going to be an underlying narrative current. I think that will kind of poison the well against him uh, next year. So I, I would be tremendously shocked if he actually won it for a third time in a row. 
Yeah, just drop dead shocked. Yeah. No doubt about it. Okay, my friend, wonderful to catch up with you. Plug everything you you're doing and how they can find your stuff again. Like you said, just on Twitter, Joel Rush NBA. I write for Forbes and I link all my stuff through there. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on again, man. I really appreciate it. It's always fun. You're terrific. I love your Nuggets insight. All right, I'll be back on Wednesday here on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. We got a few things to touch on. Hopefully, the Broncos uh, week three preseason lines will be out. We'll talk about that and we'll get a whole bunch more. For Stephen Jung, our producer, and of course, Joel, for hanging out with me. Thanks for checking out the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Holden Kushner, and I'll catch you in a couple of days.